So good morning. Um, this morning we are finishing off our August series on loving God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Uh, so Caroline started us off at the start of the month looking at what it means to love God with all your heart. Um, then Ed shared with us about what it means to love God with all your soul. Then we had Missional Community Sunday. So we're wrapping it up this week with what it means to love God with your mind and strength. So the passage I want to focus on this morning is Romans 12 verses 1 to 2, which says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. So when we talk about loving God with all our mind, or I suppose loving God with a mind or a head knowledge, um, we often see this as something that's not really enough on its own. Um, we often talk about moving from a head knowledge or a mind knowledge of God to a heart knowledge. Um, and that's true. That's why uh, the verse that we've been doing this series on um, says to love God with all your heart, soul and strength too. Uh, there's something about simply knowing God just with our mind that isn't enough. Um, but sometimes I think we focus so much on loving God with all your heart and ignoring loving God with all your mind. And the, if we don't fully know who God is, if we're not seeking to know God, I think that sometimes we can uh, love an idea or a concept of God rather than who he actually is. And then God calls us to love him with all of our strength. And I think that after telling us to love him with all of our heart, mind and soul, this is really important because our minds, hearts and souls are who we are. They're part of us. Uh, they're what we're made of. But strength, however, is a bit different. It requires some action. It's something we have, but it's not who we are or what we are. And what we have of it isn't actually enough. We're always seeking more of it. And we never have enough of it in our human selves. Nehemiah said that the joy of the Lord was his strength. In Isaiah, God declared, I will strengthen you and help you. And Moses claimed that the Lord was his strength and song. Our strength is often proved to be not quite enough on its own, to live our lives to the fullest. And it's only really through God that we get enough strength to do that. So as we look at loving God with all of our mind and with all of our strength this morning, I've titled the talk Knowing and Doing because it's, at, it's important to actually seek God and know who he is, but when we truly, deeply, really know him, I think that it's then that we start to desire to live for him in a way that pleases him, and in a way that reveals to us that we can't do this on our own, living in our own strength. So there are three things that I want to draw out from this passage in Romans. Uh, firstly, that loving God with all of our mind means knowing him. Secondly, that knowing him should give us a desire to live for him. 
And finally, that our strength is often found in the same places our mind dwells in. So, first of all, loving God with all your mind means knowing him. In Romans 12, Paul makes the argument that when we allow God to transform us by the renewing of our minds, we will then be able to test and approve what God's will is. It's through allowing God to renew our minds and change the way that we think that we get to learn more of him and understand and know him and his view of us more. So what does it mean to actually know God? Well, Psalm 1 verse 6 says, The Lord knows the way of the righteous. What I notice in this psalm is that it says that the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but it doesn't say that the Lord knows the way of the wicked. In fact, it just says the way of the wicked will perish. So what does it actually mean when he says he knows the way of the wicked, uh, the way of the righteous? It doesn't mean that he knows of them or about them because he knows of and about the way of the wicked as well. The NIV translates it to the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. The contemporary English version translates it to the righteous are guided and protected by the Lord. So knowing here means something different to just being aware of something. It's actually translated as an act, um, watching over, guiding, protecting, having regard for. And I don't think it would be a stretch to say that when God says he knows the way of the righteous, he's actually saying that God approves of, is for, and even loves the way of the righteous. So when we say that we know God, It shouldn't just mean we've read about him, we know who he is, we know he exists. But it should mean that we know him in a way that we are fully and wholly for him and love him. So without being confusing, loving God with all of our mind means knowing him. And knowing him actually means loving him. So it's a bit of a full circle. So if loving God means knowing him and knowing God means loving him, then loving God with all of our minds should also mean living a life where we actually desire to live for him. When we know someone really deeply, when we truly understand them and love them, we want to do things for them. Now the sense of having to, or if I don't do this, then I'm going to be in trouble, but because there's something deep within us that desires to please that person. So I am not a particularly spontaneous person. Uh, I think very much in the future, um, a massive part of the enjoyment of things for me is the looking forward to it. Um, So my fiancé, Johnny, is completely the opposite. He lives in the moment. He's really great at being excited about the things that are happening right now. Uh, So a month or so ago, we were going to Alton Towers, and we booked it about a week beforehand. And all week, I was like, woo, we're going to Alton Towers. I'm so excited. And Johnny would be like, yeah, I'm tired. (laughs) And I'd be like, why? Why doesn't he understand? It's so exciting. In a a few days' time, we're going to be making ourselves feel sick on rides and getting really soggy and damp in the rain, and our feet are going to kill from miles of walking. It's great. And then it got to the day that we were going and we were in the car and um, about 20 minutes into the drive, Johnny's like, I'm excited now. 
At which point, I was falling asleep and wishing I'd brought a flask of tea in the car and praying that the rain would stop. So yeah, I'm not really a very in-the-moment kind of person. The excitement of things for me is looking forward, planning, uh, and organizing things. But last Saturday, Johnny went to Soul Survivor to help uh, with the youth group that he helps to lead at his church. Um, and I was missing him a lot. And on Monday, I just had a random thought pop into my head. I've got a day of holiday left to book. I could just go all the way to Soul Survivor and just take a day off and do something really spontaneous and go and help him out for the day. Now, this is a bit of a crazy thought because, firstly, I'm not spontaneous like this at all. This never happens. Secondly, I really hate driving on my own for any long amounts of time. I really hate it, especially if it's early in the morning or late at night or any time when my mind can get distracted. It's not good. And especially when the, uh, the CD player and the aux cord in my stereo in my car are broken. So the soundtrack to me driving is, there's been an accident on junction three of the M6, um, all the way home, which is not very enjoyable. But I knew that there was something overwhelming me with a desire to go, to block all of this other stuff out and go and see him, spend time with him, uh, help him out, um, and the thought of, of making him happy and blessing him in that way just made me ignore all of the other stuff. Because I know him in a way that I truly understand him, um, and I knew that doing this would really bless him. So I went and had a great time, felt like I'd been hit by a truck the next morning, but it was worth it. But this desire should be the same, if not even more so for God. Do we actually know God deeply? Do we seek to understand him the same way we do our partners, our spouses, or our children? The way we desire to serve them is a result of a love that deeply knows them and understands them and is completely for them. And I think that sometimes part of the struggle to serve God fully is a result of not knowing him so deeply that we love him with our whole selves and want to offer ourselves up as the living sacrifice that Paul calls us to. We are to dedicate all of ourselves to God, and this dedication to him is called worship. Paul says, it's not just worship, but your true and proper worship. And this is where loving God with all of your strength comes in, because unlike our partners, our spouses, or our children, there are a few more challenges to putting yourself on the line for God. We're challenged by people more, maybe left out of things that our friends do, judged by the people we work with, seen as weird, and in some cases, in many parts of the world, even persecuted. It's a bigger sacrifice to offer ourselves up for God than it is to do so for our loved ones. But thankfully, we get to love him with all of our strength and ask for his strength to do the rest. So, we're called to love God with all of our mind and strength, which means we need to know God in a way that we love him. And through this desire to live in a way that's pleasing to him, we realize a need for his strength to do so. The stumbling block here, very often in my own life, and I'm sure in many other people's lives, is that when my mind is dwelling on God, Drawing my strength from him is easier. 
But often, my mind isn't just dwelling on God. Philippians 4 verse 8 says, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. These are the things Paul tells us to fill our thoughts with. These are the things we should be dwelling on and focusing our minds on. And this is really important because we often draw our strength from the places that our mind dwells in. So I have always loved reading, um, especially when I was at school. I would be reading all the time. Sometimes I would take my book to school with me and get it out at lunch, not even to read it, just so that other people would ask me about it so that I could talk to them and find someone else who would like reading because I didn't have any friends who liked books like I did. Um, And as a result, it kind of became my thing. I was the bookworm of the group and I would read so many stories throughout the year that I would practically live in these fantasy worlds that I was immersing myself in. And a few years ago, um, someone who didn't know me, uh, who had, would have had no way of knowing my love for reading and fantasy worlds, gave me a prophetic word um, and picture that's really stuck with me since then. He saw a picture of me in a series of fantasy worlds, um, fantasy scenes, Um, And in one of them, I was sitting there surrounded by this beautiful, lovely scene. Um, And then the picture focused on this brook with all this water bubbling up. Um, And the guy who was giving me this word uh, said to me that God has given me some form of fantastical wonder, which is a great thing. But there's also this brook of Christ and I can drink from it and it will sustain me. And God was saying, enjoy these stories, but ultimately, it's him who nurtures my mind, my imagination. And with God, I can be living these worlds and stories, but the real version of them. There's nothing wrong with me immersing myself in these fantasy worlds and stories, especially when God has given me a passion for stories and fantasy. But there's a definite tendency for me and there has been a definite tendency for me to find myself dwelling in those places. Uh, and I, I've had to work at uh, not leaving my mind there. Because when it does, my strength is sometimes drawn from the way these stories make me feel. And whilst it's definitely a good thing to read a book and feel something, when our feelings and maybe even our view of ourselves uh, or our role in a group uh, is being fueled by them and not God, Our strength is being drawn from somewhere else and it becomes easy to live for these other things. And I know that I'd much rather be known as the Jesus follower in a group than the bookworm. Paul instructs in Romans to not conform to the pattern of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The way we think must be changed from the way that the world thinks world things because it's only then that we know what God's perfect will is for us. If we think the way that the world thinks about who we are, then our identity can be found in our jobs, in our relationships, in our ability to do good at something or be good at something like I'm a great organizer or I'm the creative one or I'm the bookworm. We need to allow what we think of ourselves and our identity to be changed and renewed by God. Paul says in Colossians, to set your minds on things that are above, not that are on the earth. 
We need to allow our mind to be transformed so that its natural dwelling place is not on worldly, earthly things, but on God. Because when our mind is dwelling in him, our identity is in him and our strength is found in him. So to wrap up, we need to seek to know God and know him deeply, not just know about or of him. Knowing him in this way should fuel a desire to live for him, just like it does for those who are closest to us. When we know God in a way that extends to being for him and loving him, then knowing him doesn't feel enough. An action is needed in response, and that action is living for him. And we need to be able to relinquish control and ask for his strength in order to live that way. And often the stumbling block is no is loving God with uh, the stumbling block in loving God with all of our mind and with all of our strength is uh, often dwelling in a place that is not God. And when our minds are dwelling on and thinking about things of God, it's far easier to find our strength there instead. Uh, so I'd like to encourage you to make some time to respond to this. Um, if there's something in particular that has stood out to you or challenged you or maybe even encouraged you this morning, um, don't let what is in your mind and what you're thinking just be an acknowledgement that you forget about after you've had your coffee. Um, we're going to have the offering prayer um, and then another song of worship in a moment. Um, and I want to encourage you to do two things. One of them is maybe more comfortable than the other. So as we sing, uh, if there's something that's spoken to you today, I just want to encourage you to give that to God, to tell God, whether that's in, in your head or out loud, uh, to tell him what that is and spend some time just listening to him and, and dwelling in him. Secondly, I want to encourage you that being part of a church family uh, we get to be open and vulnerable with each other. And part of the honour of being a church family with each other is to build each other up and draw each other closer to God. And so if there's something that you want prayer for, ask somebody next to you to pray for you. You might find that they also would like prayer as well. And if after the service you'd still like some prayer, um, I would be really happy to pray for you. I'll be hanging around at the front. I'm sure Dave would as well. Um, yeah, so just before we do that, I'm just going to pray. Father God, I thank you for your word to us this morning. Thank you that when we know you, when we truly, deeply know you, we have a desire to live for you. Thank you that we don't have to live out of our own strength all of the time, but we get to live out of what we have and ask for more from you. And thank you that our identity is in you. And I pray that you help us to notice where perhaps we're dwelling in other places rather than you, where there are places that are pulling our minds away from, focusing on what's good and what's beautiful and what's of you. In Jesus' name, amen.